we're ready to podcast. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, (laughs) Sunday, Sunday from 6 to 7. Anyway. Straight from West Valley. From the deep south heart of the valley. No, deep west part of the valley. South Lake. Decker Lake. Off the beautiful story shores of Decker Lake. (laughs) Next door to the child penitentiary. (laughs) Where your kids are. (laughs) I remember doing that for a sketch show once. Uh, It was a TV pilot that didn't go anywhere. We tried pitching it to a local TV station. And that was uh, Decker Lake Homes. And you got a beautiful view of the lake and a (laughs) dinner and a show when the kids tried to escape and they got tasered. But yeah. That's funny. Well, we we've been chatting for a minute, but I think we're gonna have the show open this way because that was that was fun. <laughs> that, that that announcer voice you were hearing is our guest, Gavin. Is it Sheehan or Sheehan? Either or. Sheehan is what I've always been told. I, I'm the same way with my last name. People, most people say Maziotti. I mean Maziotti. It's Maziotti. So Mas- I I just like Maziotti. I think I mess up your last name every time I say it. You're just Dylan. I'm just Dylan. Hey, Dylan. <laughs> Dylan. Does that annoy you when people just blend the name together? Dylan? Dylan. Yep. <laughs> like yeah, it's two Gavin. words. It's Dylan. Gavin. Yeah. I get Gav a lot because people don't like doing the whole Gav. The I-N just yeah. throws them off. For some, for some reason, that's just too much of a trail for them to hike. So they just, <laughs> hey, Gav, how's it going? You can't, like they can't like people who have never met me. They're just automatic Gav. I so. I get Dill a lot. Do you ever get Steve? Steve? No, okay. I get Steve. <laughs> I, well, but I introduce myself as Steve, so it's all good. I imagine you get more misspellings. Like people, people uh, spell S T E P H E N on occasion. But that is my name. Th- that's his given. So name. that's my given. Okay, name. so it's so. But so then I get the... I like tend to like just torment the hell out of people, so I will misspell it also. <laughs> oh, okay. Just to add an extra layer. <laughs> Throw for entertainment extra, throw at, the extra extra Lake, at the um, you know, production company. <laughs> Just side note to that before we jump into everything. My wife's watching Party of Five on Netflix right now. And then nicknames on there are awful. Claudia is Claude. Ugh. Bailey is Bay. It's like... <laughs> I get that before anyone else. It's, it's just cringeworthy. Who would want to be called Claude? <laughs> or Bay. I guess if you get, get, I guess if your parents were uh, cruel enough to call you Claudia, you know, yeah. any any <laughs> any abbreviation would be a nice uh, alternative. But at that point, why not use your middle name? My dad goes by his middle name. <laughs> Lewis is his first name. I'd go with that middle name too. Do they call the... him Lou? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. My cat goes by its middle name. Oh, what's your cat's name? I don't really know what its first name is, but its middle name is Felix. Oh, so okay. It goes by that. He just never shared that information. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> Man, Most cats are. <laughs> and he lives with you. What a dick. I mean, he could be feeding off of me. Yeah, like, just true. my attitude, yeah. and then that blends. <laughs> so it could, be, it could be flowing that way. I like that this is the show. Like we haven't gotten into anything <laughs> hardcore topic yet. This is Names just and cats. Are, are you <laughs> expecting hardcore? I didn't know what to expect. I'll be I'll be very honest because I admitted this in the car. I haven't listened to the show in a while, so I wait. I, in a while, does that mean ever? I used to like wait, like like what? two years ago. Are you? You're asking for a number on a guy that's like listen. 
Well, it, yeah, because I when was, I was let's in the see where this. What was your favorite episode that you listened? to? I can't remember. When I was in the thick of things, I listened to <laughs> like eight or nine shows that were locally made to kind of stay in touch with things that were happening. And then over time, I like shows would get canceled, and they I'd replace them with something else. Because these superior shows were canceled, we we upped our game. I wouldn't call anybody show superior. I'd say but, everybody's just on even ground because it's all podcasting. No, you kind of implied that we upped our game because these other guys that were really good, I think they kind of just gave up for whatever reason. I think that the way the podcasting usually works is people do it for uh, a while. They get to maybe episode 100 and like, yay, we made it. But can and I then, use your quote the way I want it? No. <laughs> that's not. That's Gavin not, says that we're far superior now that all these other superior podcasts are gone. If you want to say you're superior, I can't stop you. But as far as but I'm concerned, we're just equal. I say all podcasting is equal because nobody around here makes a profit off of it. <laughs> the day that you make the day that you make a living off of uh, just doing a podcast, then you can look me in the eye and tell me you're superior to all other podcasts. <laughs> that is but, our goal. But someday. Not, not even the most listened to ones make a living off of it, so that everybody on the show gets paid. So you know, it's like. It's like a pissy match in a room full of people that make no money. <laughs> I've got to write that on my list of goals. Then. That this show should make money so that you can sustain a living off of yeah. it. Yeah, and even if it's just like a dime or something, I qualify that as success. I, I, I would too. If you can make, if you do what you love for a living and you make money off of it, like you've won. Even if it's, a, even if it's like very little. Okay, I'm going to say that Gavin says your creativity has won. So, like, we're going to just go with that. I just can't wait until somebody comes around and says, you are so full of shit. It happens I can swear on this, right? I mean, that happens quite a bit. Like, my mom even <laughs> used to that. Well, Steve, he did like us well enough earlier this year to ask us questions himself. He interviewed us for um, City Weekly. Yeah. Did I do my answers? I don't recall. <laughs> nah. I did, I'm going to go with I, yes. I did a blog for nine and a half years. It all tends to blend together after a minute. <laughs> My head's like a Rolodex full of <laughs> cards that just keep falling out. So And get faded. Okay, I'm going to just follow behind <laughs> you and just wait for those cards. Okay. And then I'm going to just use them. And I'll be like, this one's good. <laughs> it hasn't been used for a little bit. I recently went to uh, to L.A. and I was staying with a friend who used to live here. She was in a band. And we got into a discussion about how the band was a success while they were here and all the connections that they used to have. And and I'm just like in the middle of the conversation, I'm like, you know, this phone of mine is basically a party line. Like if I wanted to throw an event, I have every connection I could ever want for catering to uh, open up a venue to just do whatever the hell I felt like all on favors. And it's just now at this point, it's useless. Like. Nobody really cares at this no, point. No, because you just throw out the Decker Lake stuff again, and then they're back in. <laughs> they're like, Decker Lake? No way. We're all over that. We're going to throw it at Decker Lake. We're going to be right on the coast. All right. Next to the UPS outlet. I'm game with that. <laughs> so you were at uh, City Weekly uh, nine and a half years. Yeah, roughly, yeah. How how did you uh, get on there? Well, uh the I had started the blog originally at uh, Channel Two News, and right. about a year and a half in, Channel Two went through some changes, which included changing their website so that it was like KSL's classified site, which everybody in the building said was a terrible fucking idea. 
Of course uh, they did it. <laughs> yeah, because they had been bought out recently by new management, and the new management was just like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to change what we're doing because we think we can make money off of it. And part of that was getting rid of pieces of the website that served no purpose to that end, which included my blog. And I had been writing for City Weekly for about about a year at that point. Uh, and I had had a meeting with Jamie Gadet, who was the music editor at the time, and I told her exactly what was going on. And she said, you should go talk to Bill Frost right now. And so me and Bill set up a meeting. I told him what was up. He talked to the editor at the time, which was Holly Mullen. And they came to an agreement and brought me on board and started paying me for my blog. And that's how I got on with City Weekly, with the blog at least. Uh, but I had been writing there for a year as a music writer. And um, what like what led to being the music writer at, at first? Uh through the blog, ironically enough. It was kind of this <laughs> it's, it's this weird yin-yang thing that happened. Uh, the blog became a success despite uh, being in one of the worst spots on KUTV's <laughs> website. Like, they didn't know what to do. You know, it was like, n- I wasn't getting paid for it. They gave me free space because of other stuff that I had done. And uh, it was just this entity that nobody managed but was also getting them hits. So they were just like, okay, free free web hits. We'll just keep it. And it caught the attention of a lot of people uh, throughout our local community, like, oh, shit, KUTV is doing something. So it was really easy uh, to go talk with City Weekly and be like, hey, are you looking for anybody to write and actually make money writing? Because I would like to do that. And so took a couple of tests, got through, started writing music for them in like October or November of that year. Okay. And that was 08. Yeah. And... um. You just said in nine and a half years, it's all blur. Are are there any interviews that or situations that kind of pop out that were uh, extra you're special? Ta- you're talking to me post uh, <laughs> post divorce, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, not that it was a bad divorce, I guess we could get into that later. But essentially, like I'm at that phase of I I've forgotten a lot of what has happened. You know. Right. Uh, I've just kind of lumped it together as this was a, a near decade period of time in my life. It was really cool to do. Uh, and I had a lot of fun doing it, but it's not like there's any one thing that stands out in my mind as, oh my God, that was the make or break moment uh, of my entire writing career during that time. If that makes sense. Yeah. It, it was your first marriage. Yeah. Your, your Utah first marriage. <laughs> uh, pretty much. I mean, I'm, I'm still single. I'm an old man, so I'll take that as my first marriage. We've all had our practice marriages <laughs> in one way or another. Yeah. Um, I might have been the practice. How so? Because maybe maybe she used me as the practice. That could have been. Oh, but you guys are still together. Not married. We're just business oh. partners. Okay. Just business partners. Just business partners. Yeah. Okay. Okay, wait. I I gotta go back to this. <clears throat> okay. So here's what I was. I'm thinking. I know that you've you've interviewed and you've talked with hundreds of people, thousands of people. It's thousands at this point. Yeah. What's your favorite question, <clears throat> and why? <laughs> Told you I had good questions. Uh, it'd be to Dave Payne. Uh, back when he was in the Red Bennies. Back when the Red Bennies were still a thing. Hi, Dave. Uh. And I we got. Did you know I went to school with his brother Sam? No, I did not. You couldn't. You can tell Dave that. I think I'll find out very quickly after this conversation <laughs> next time I run into him at Watchtower. But um, uh, basically, we had gotten onto this conversation about how uh, 
kids were basically not getting into bands anymore because they were just hanging out in their houses playing rock band all day and that they in their minds that made them a musician i mean just like so do you wish rock band wasn't a fucking thing <laughs> and and he just kind of he paused for a minute and he was just like yeah it's the worst thing to have ever happened to music in the entire existence of now and then he went back and played his his garage band no no he was uh the Red Bennies were a fantastic band, like, for years. I'm just giving him shit. I know. I'm just explaining shit, because, you know, I'm going to be a uh, diplomat here. But <laughs> the uh, it was just that idea of, like, for a brief moment, I got uh, genuine passion out of somebody, where it was like, uh, he taught School of Rock, you know? He was, he was trying to get kids involved with music and get them out of the house and off a computer and uh, getting them to do real-life things. And here's this thing that's just impeding everything he has to do uh, because, you know, you hold the right keys and you flick the little thing in the right way and that makes you a guitarist. Bullshit. You know, <laughs> I, I played rock band as the drummer. I can actually play the drums and like drumming on that thing sucks. It's the <laughs> stupidest mechanic ever um, and never teaches you how to play drums in real life. So I, I fully supported it and agreed with it. But, like, the minute I asked him that question, I got that response. I was very happy. Because it was genuine. It was genuine. I hope they cut out the pauses. Nope. There were nope. All, the, all those awkward pauses. <laughs> that's no, what makes us successful. There's no underlying music underneath any of this to just kind of, <laughs> nope, like, we're just along? a lot of long uh, pauses. Awkward right. silence. But, you know, actually coming from Dave and his family... So his dad Marvin is was actually um, really musical and and but he I remember as a kid like Marvin did these stories with music and it was kind of so instead of playing rock band and all that crap um it it was really interesting because these stories were just totally uh, all narrated through song nice and and I know that you know that's where Dave and all of his family they're real, so talented like all of them are just musicians and I would say it's probably because. Their dad didn't let them sit and play games. That they were always, you know, just learning music and yeah. learning instruments. I missed, uh, I missed the boat on Marvin beyond one band, and the only band I've ever seen play has been at the Arts Fest, and it's Marvin Payne and the Gifted Seed, and yeah. it's all of his kids. Yeah, which is a great name, you know. <laughs> Josh, Sam, yeah, um, and I'm missing uh, Joe, and then David, and then their daughter, or the daughter Eliza, I think plays. Yeah, also, I, I only know. Uh, the only one I've ever gotten acquainted with in full is Dave, and I love Dave to death. Uh, he also lived across the street from me for a minute, and he had an arcade and a recording studio, which was fun to visit. So you got to hang out there a lot. I didn't get to hang out there a lot because it was still, it was still like they were a family uh, and they were doing stuff, and he was busy and I was busy. But it was a really uh, kind of cool experience. Did he uh, keep the quarters? I'm sure he did. Wouldn't you? It's actually kind of genius. You just you, you have friends pop by, they pop quarters in, and then you like you get you've let, now got this endless supply of change that you can put into the machines. I don't remember paying for them though. He gave uh, you the key. Could have. I. He might have just popped it open and hit the little button that adds credits. Well, if Dave's listening to this, he should start charging his friends. I only went over like twice in the entire time I was there. So and he, I didn't, fin- he made fifty cents off of you, maybe <laughs> <laughs> fifty cents. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I'm not very musical, so I can't chime in about any of that. 
Um, Wait, Dylan stuff. says that like I have any musical talent. Like I even but screw up the radio. You have the the correlation there. I, I I love music, but I have no local connections with music. Um, I had a question there. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sasha. <laughs> How's it going? You know, going back with okay, your favorite question. What's your worst question? And what do you hate hearing? My worst question is also the one I hate hearing the most, and that's how's tour. Because <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think the band's gonna say? Oh, it's all right. You know, we went we went through Vegas. You know, just the bus broke down a couple times. Uh, we went to uh, Portland was good. Yeah, so Seattle was fun. We ate a lot of Whoppers. Big Macs. Our uh, our van broke down in uh, Death Valley. That was um, that was the thing. Um, you know that it was really bad because we all had to use the bathroom. Any any time a... I've interviewed a band out of out of state, that's the like that's the tone that they give. It's just you know just uh, I. I uh, where are we again? It's kind of hard, you know, to determine what success is anymore. I mean, we just. Uh, you know the ladies are there, and uh, the fans appreciate us, and we're, and we're we're selling well on iTunes, and you know just it's 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 hard being a band, you know. Right. I can't quantify it in a in a format statement. I just um, yeah. Do, do you know where laundry mat is? <laughs> I haven't I haven't washed my clothes for a week. It's three a.m. I need to wash my clothes. <laughs> You're trying to get an interview with somebody either before a show when they're high or drunk, uh, before yeah. the before the magic gets turned <laughs> on, or you're trying to get an interview with them after the show when they're a hot, sweaty mess, and the last thing they want to do is talk to anybody. They just want to <laughs> go and sit in a shower for 10 minutes uh, with a beer and ignore that anything just happened. So us people that are just sitting there trying to be groupies, mm-hmm. when is your suggestion that we ask the right questions? Not necessarily before, not necessarily after. Do we run up on stage during the performance, or do we wait a bit? You do it right as they're getting off, and they're still feeling the high from the encore. That's the truth. Okay, that's actually <laughs> that's, pretty good. That's the moment, because then you're, like, they've played their heart out, they've looked at each other, and they're like, okay, should we're here in Wisconsin, should we do one more song, right? They get and that crowd immediately lights up because they're like, "Yeah, play the favorite!" Right? Uh, they go out, they play that favorite. The crowd has just finally cheered them the best that they've cheered them the entire fucking night. They go out on a high. That's when you hit them up for free shit. <laughs> As I All slam right. my water down, so we ha- well, hide in the dressing room with our microphones ready. The minute the no, the minute the dressing room shuts, if you're not a woman or somebody they want to be with. Or, like, even their manager letting them know how much money they just made tonight, you are, like, on the blacklist. So the hallway, then. Yeah. on the Between the two. Wait, I've been on the list, then. You have? Yeah, I've been on the list. Okay. For not who? Not the black one. I'm, I was good. Oh, the green. I was inside. The green list. The VIP. Yeah, I was a, I was a Band-Aid. Oh, okay. From All Us Famous? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you going around getting interviews for Rolling Stone? <laughs> I was working on it. <laughs> okay. It was more like the um cream magazine or whatever the the, yeah, the lesser known. Cream. Yeah, that that's what I was working on. <laughs> Speaking of writing, you uh you write for um 
bleeding cool now. Yeah. How was that? Awesome. I uh, basically work from home playing video games, and then I write about them. Like, nice. I can't complain. And, and how long ago did you start doing this? I joined up in February. I <clears throat> Excuse me. I got uh, tipped off from a friend, Caitlin Booth, who was uh, doing movie critic stuff there. She's still there. I think she's the lead critic now. Uh, but she basically said, hey, I remember that uh, you said anytime somebody was looking for writing to let you know my boss is looking for more video game writers, uh, and I know you're pretty good at it. Would you uh, like to apply? Because all you have to do is email this and your resume and talk to him for a minute, and he might hire you. Uh, but basically, she held the door open. It was up to me. And then after talking to him a few times, I got hired. And so uh, I joined on and became one of their video game writers. Favorite gaming platform? PS4. I enjoy PC, but uh, I used to be an Xbox fan, and then I went over to PS4, and it was like night and day. It just felt better. I was happier. <laughs> I miss Halo. I'll say that. But... Uh, that's one game compared to like all the other awesome titles that are sitting on a Sony. So, what's maybe a lesser known name game that is one of your favorites? Ooh, have to make me think here for a second. Um, oh, I just had it on the top. Uh, Guns of Icarus. Guns of Icarus is this um, multi-online player uh, fighting game. Uh, well, I shouldn't say fighting game. It's um, it's airship battles. So steampunk airship battles uh, where it's a crew of four people per ship. One of you is the captain, uh, and then everybody else is either a gunner or an engineer. And you are with three or four other ships uh, fighting against another team of ships. So it's like you know 20 to 30 people per room. Uh, basically having airship battles. It reminded me of Final Fantasy uh, games when I played those. And so it was really kind of a fun thing to find and, and play and review. And like for a long time, that's what I was addicted to at the time. Pilot or the gunner? Or the engineer? Engineer. Because? In- uh, you get to run around and do more fun things. Uh, if you're the captain and you're piloting, uh, everything falls on you because... <laughs> You know, if if you suck, it's your fault. You're the one piloting the damn ship. <laughs> Engineers can only fix the thing. Gunners can only fire where you point them. You know, so it all kind of falls on you. And then if you're a gunner, everybody's just screaming at you because you failed to hit a target. When they don't understand, like you have to like lead your shot, and your like different shots do different things. If you're an engineer, you only get yelled at if you don't fix the engines. We need or more coal. Or don't get us more coal. Oh, in this one, it's uh, it's hot air balloons. Like there's no there's no shoveling coal in this one. They're all just uh, it's automatically assumed that there's an engineer down below deck shoveling coal into the balloon. So you can't blame that engineer no. for anything. <laughs> no, but if you don't go repair the balloon, you sink down to the ground and crash. So you're repairing the balloon, you're repairing the engine, you're repairing the propellers, you're repairing all the guns. Uh, there's a couple other things on there that you repair. But you're basically, it, the engineer is just this nonstop bevy of running around with a hammer and slamming it against stuff so that the meter bar gets repaired. <laughs> so, you, like, you don't have time to take crap from anybody. You're, you're always just repairing things. Dylan, I'm doing the best I can. And and I can only hammer this so much. <laughs> like, the best ships, it's one captain, one gunner running around doing the shooting, and then two engineers repairing everything. That's usually how the best ships work. 
Uh, and if you can, like if your ship is in perfect condition, the other engineers can jump on guns. They have limited ammo, but they can jump on and help. So you ha- you can create an assault. But if you screw up at all and you're left open, then that ship automatically can get some firing on you, and then you got to go hop off the gun and go fix stuff. So, But I enjoyed that. That was a nice indie title that uh, I played for a long, long time. Uh, was it, it take a uh, place out in space, or is it? You know, in it's, the atmosphere of uh, Earth. It's Earth, but they don't really define anything of, like, they don't decry it's dystopia. They don't decry that it's from the past. They don't don't pretend like it's an alternate future or anything. Um, and I've forgotten a lot just about... Is. <clears throat> yeah, it just is. I've forgotten a lot about how the story goes. But, you know, you're, you're either fighting in uh, a tundra or you're fighting in large orange canyons or uh, open sea area. It just kind of varies depending on where you end up. So there's a, a background underneath yeah. to give mm-hmm. you some context. Yeah. Um, newer games. Are, are there any newer games that are kind of stick out at you? Uh, the one that I've still been playing that is relatively new is Overwatch. Uh, I just, I love that one. It's basically a fighting game for, or not a fighting game. It's a first-person shooter game for people who aren't into first-person shooters. So if you're not into Halo or Call of Duty or anything, uh, this is a game where you can plug it in and play, and it still feels okay. like uh, a pretty decent game for you to play. Because it's just six-on-six, six, uh, objective style. So not necessarily killing people, although you are killing people, but it's more like you have to capture the point, or you have to escort a car, or uh, King of the Hill kind of games. So okay. it's more objective-based. You're just mostly putting people to sleep. For those children that are listening, they're not dead, dead. They're just sleeping. They'll wake up. Yeah, sure. They're, they're fictional, Steve. <laughs> they can die. <laughs> Every time they fall down, they're magically going to a farm somewhere. <laughs> with little beagles and, like, all kinds of dogs with, running around. With other with other people that shoot stuff. Um, with the engineers that are fired from the other <laughs> ships floating <laughs> around. Yeah. And the best part of Overwatch is you don't have to be a person that just fires a gun. I mean, there are um, those roles exist, but there's also tanks, which are usually the protective roles. Like, they get you through areas. There's one called Reinhardt that just, like, mostly what he does is hold up a shield so that other people can fire. Uh, And then there's healers. Like, um, there's a medic in there called Mercy who has angel wings and a stick that uh, automatically heals you. Uh, and a guy named Lucio that can heal you and also speed you up. So you don't necessarily have to be So firing. is there a character that's not really productive, but doesn't really, like, heal anybody? Sometimes he makes them more sick, but he doesn't really do any task. I mean, I'm thinking of somebody like myself that doesn't really bring, like, a lot of vital stuff to this this podcast, but I just influence badness. Everybody, Everybody does a little bit of something, but if you're talking, like, Weird characters or useless characters. Ah, it's hard to pick. I, my favorite is Torbjorn, uh, who's uh, a Swedish builder. Like he, he's ironically enough, he's about <laughs> five two. Uh, but basically, so he, he's short. So yeah. because the dude's short, he's like me. If you want to take it that way, sure. <laughs> All right, let's hear about the Swedish dude. So he builds <laughs> so, what? He, he Ikea builds, stuff. He builds these little turrets. So he can set up a turret and it fires just one shot. No matter what's in front of it, it, it shoots it. 
<laughs> and then if he builds it up even bigger, he, it goes to level two, and it can shoot two times in a row, and then he can get his ultimate ability, and it shoots rockets. That's about actually my level. I mean, because I'm well, not really, like, way productive. Yeah. It's basically, he's there to just create this automatic gun that hits no matter what. Uh, and then he That's has just his, one turret. Yeah. And then he has his own gun that he, he has where he can shoot, like, one really hard shot, or he can, like, shoot nine uh, shots at a row in a time. When I feel really badass. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's the character for you. Torbjorn, ready to work. <laughs> <laughs> Building IKEA products forever. So to speak. I'm sure somebody will correct me on that. I'm on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we get those listeners, we'll let you know. Oh, trust me, they'll come. <laughs> That's the one thing I've learned about Bleeding Cool. There's no shortage of people willing to bitch and moan and tell you how much you suck. <laughs> yeah, I don't really listen to those people. Yeah, I tune a lot of them out, but it's just uh, its a daily occurrence. Our comment section is just, if you ever want to like uh, humble yourself... And, uh, you know, and stop, like, for me, it's a really awesome job. Like, I don't take myself too seriously about it, but what I do is really cool. I get to just play games and write about it, and that's my job. Uh, and at a certain point in time for some people, you get, like, really high and really e- egotistical on yourself, just like, I have the best fucking job in the world. Screw <laughs> all of you. Do you have business cards? I'm a, I I'm a game player. I do have business cards. Does wait? Do, does it say that that I'm a ge- that you're a professional game player? Game right there. Game. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's like it's a nice little thing to throw out there to people. Just like yeah, I'm a games writer for a living. Uh, but if yes. you but if you ever feel like you're getting too egotistical. All you have to do is spend five minutes looking at the comments of all of your posts. And We're going to have to delete the comment section on our podcast. Eh, just turn it off. But <laughs> our, our listener never comments. Our one, our two, one or two listeners. My mom doesn't listen too much. But it's like the, uh, and a lot of it is just the stupidest stuff. Like I reviewed uh, a game box or a, a package that came to me, a monthly subscription box. And in the box had a poster for the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, it, it, it's a nice little design, and it has people ripped on this. Oh, I'll, I'll show it to you in a second. <laughs> I'll, I'll find the photo. But essentially, what happened was I posted the review, and it got shared and some stuff. And then one of the comments in there was somebody saying, "You know, it'd be great if Hobgoblin was in the poster. Like, there's the poster. I know you can't see this at home. They're like, it'd be great if Hobgoblin was in there instead. I'm like, isn't that Hobgoblin?" Right below Spider-Man in this poster. It's like... It'd be great if I wore my glasses that day. It's like anything to anything to bitch. You know what I mean? Like anything... Entertainment media. Not everybody hates everything or everybody loves everything. Yeah. It's just, you know, and I'd get the least amount of it. Like the women writers on our site get the most because like... I only get threatened, you know, to like to be fired or I've gotten a couple death threats in the past. But, you know, the women writers get threatened. Wait, to be... why didn't we start with that? <laughs> you get death death threats? I do. On occasion, I do. Uh, t- okay, this is way badass. So you're yeah. a professional <laughs> gamer. You wear a bulletproof vest and you have death threats. I don't wear a bulletproof vest. Yeah, I'm I've pretty gotten, sure you do. I've gotten death threats before this. Like here in Utah, I got death threats. 
Who do you hang oh, out over with? Like, I mean, maybe we need to find you more friends. No, no, it's um, <clears throat> this this is gonna this is gonna be a, a much uh, harder subject, but I'll try and put some brevity into it because I can only laugh at it now. Uh, part of what I did with my blog to uh, make it stand out here in Utah was to cover LGBTQ lives and uh, events that were going on here. And one day I got a lovely email from a random, you know, John whatever, 42698778 at Yahoo, you know, one of those fake ones that somebody throws together like in an instant. <clears throat> yes, that they can comment yeah. unanimously. And uh, basically just told me if I didn't stop uh, covering the queers that I would find a bullet in the back of my head. And they spelled queer, K-W-E-A-R, which made me laugh. I think you're probably probably pretty safe then. (laughs) You know, but I mean, like, it's it's a weird dichotomy here in Utah of, like, people act accepting. And then you are given this stark reminder that outside of Salt Lake City are a lot of people that do not agree with anything that's happening here in the Valley at all. And then... You marry that with the idea that we are one of the biggest states that buy rifles and magnums, and we live in a state with people that train themselves to shoot them for the apocalypse that is to come, right? Well, I mean, so, I'm pretty sure that that's coming because I've— Yeah, but I mean, it's it's one of those things that you kind of have to take seriously to a degree, like the idea yeah. of just down the street, if I piss off the wrong person, I actually live nearby people with guns who, you know, could— could come to my house and kill me. So when I got to Bleeding Cool and I started getting those kind of threats, I was just like, if the people three blocks away don't fucking scare me, what kind of shot do you have? You know, like, <laughs> but, but uh, like it was, it was a harsh lesson at the time in learning, like, uh, I am not invincible and I'm not in this insular bubble, but I'm not going to let people dictate how I do my job. I'm not going to live in fear of people who disagree with my opinions and my thoughts and what I cover. So it was kind of, it it made my heart, you know, skip a couple beats when it first happened. But after that, whenever it happened, I was just like, fucking douchebags. You are prepared for the zombie apocalypse. No, I'm not. not, I'm just going to blow my brains out when that happens so so I don't get eaten. And when uh, I do get eaten by the zombies, uh, I don't come back to life. (laughs) Okay. But there's an actual report that rated Salt Lake City as pretty prepared for an apocalypse. That's because we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Okay, so explain it to me. How are we going to survive? Because, like, this does keep me up at night. And so I'm a little worried. So what should I be doing? I mean, like, if we're going to get into this, I remember reading a report once. It's like when terrorist attacks happen, they go after the biggest cities. I'm more going for the zombies. Like, I mean, terrorists, yeah, I I more want to prepare for that stuff. Like, that kind of stuff, if you're putting it in a reality-based scenario, it's going to happen. It is real. It's going to happen on a coast first before it happens to us. So have a little time to prepare. So we have a little time to prepare, provided it's not some airborne virus or a thing that uh, springs up overnight and is uh, genetically contracted and just happens to a certain amount of the population. That's a reality take on it. It's going to happen on the okay, coast. Okay, well, let's first. say the worst-case scenario. What do we do? There'll be a tourist that brings here. It's dormant in somebody, and then on the way here, yeah. they change. And then, and I mean, that's the way it is in The Walking Dead. They never really get to the heart of the matter, but essentially what happened is that just 
started overcoming a piece of the population. Uh, they don't really discuss if it was an infection or if it was genetic or anything like that. But just one day, people across the globe just started turning into zombies. Do they still like chocolate? I don't think they do. Damn, so you so you are screwed as a business owner. I know that's the only thing I have going. Maybe <laughs> ice cream. I could That's I'm just a writer. Like what am I gonna do? Be Brad Pitt in World War Z? I mean, let's be honest, I'm just food for the for the machine when we're done either. And I'm sweet because I eat a lot of candy. So they're probably gonna go for me first. By the way, I need to pop by and get some more someday. We can do that. Awesome. We can set that up. <laughs> I need to start eating some more non-sweet things. I'm right there with you. I mean, you know. I, I, I'm I not. eat too many sweets, too. It's like 10 o'clock at night. You know, nothing sounds good except, you know, something sugary. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about the freaking zombies, Dylan. Like, I got to be less tasteful. <laughs> the worst thing candy companies ever did was make those little $4 pouches of uh, biteables. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they're really easy to go buy, and they're in store in your fridge in the hot months, and you can just keep them in a cabinet in the cold months, and they're just there. I can go through a bag of those in a couple hours if I really want to. It's like popping Tylenol, you know? Yep. Yep, need it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You've worked in multiple types of media. Mm -hmm. Um, Of those different types, maybe you could explain kind of your journey in and out of different kinds and which one's your favorite uh i'll keep it short because i could get onto a really long tangent about it because everything is different right. but uh the short version is that i got into radio when i was 17 as a gopher uh go for this go for that uh coffee can you say which station or even know? uh mad dog 1023 it doesn't exist anymore uh and ironically the one i worked for after that was in this building that we're in right now called channel 1057 which also doesn't exist anymore uh, there, that was just not a coincidence, or was it? They're both rock stations. Well, the first one was a rock, uh, an alternative station that tried to compete with X96 and failed uh, long before I they ever showed They sent Gavin up. out to go for, like, a fuse. He, it was the key secret, keeping the station open. No, when I... When <laughs> we I, need this fuse. Let me, let me tell you what a gopher job is in reality. You... Because this was me during high school. You go home. You sleep for a few hours after doing homework. You get up around 8 o'clock. I took the bus to the radio station. Would meet them there at 9 to get in a van. We'd take the van to some uh, stupid car lot or movie theater or whatnot. Set up speakers. They'd be there for two hours. Uh, Then we'd tear the whole thing down. I'd get uh, back to the station around midnight. Somebody would give me a ride home. Uh, and then I sleep from one until six to go to school the next day. <laughs> That's a gopher job, unpaid, by the way. I finally got a paycheck uh, and a uh, an on air shift for a minute for on the weekends when I finally got my diploma. So that's how I got in. And then at the time, I was looking at it like, well, I have a full time job in radio. Do I really want to spend thirty seven k at college to earn ten cents more an hour? So I just skipped college. <laughs> Uh, and I had my diploma, so I thought I was good, you know, stupid 18-year-old that I was at the time. But I went from one radio station to the one here, and the one here sucked because it was trying to compete with X96 and K-Bear at the same time and failed miserably. Kind uh, of high odds. 
How do you mean? Well, no, that would just be a high task to like try to compete with both of those. Well, I mean, like one minute you'd be hearing Nine Inch Nails, and then the next you'd be hearing Metallica. So it's like I got a really good idea. Let's do Metallica <laughs> and Nine Inch Nails, and then follow that with like Red Hot Chili Peppers or the Johnny Cash version of Hurt that was going around at the time and or, Depeche Mode. Yeah. Not so much Depeche Mode. It was more, they kept it more in the 90s, early 2000s rock. So you're still hearing bands like Korn and Limp Bizkit at the time. Uh, but yeah, a large portion of that was like, and they would have Megadeth on there as well. So it was like, you're gunning for two different audiences <laughs> yeah. at the same time. And really you're just Those turning both mess. turning both off because yeah. neither one wants to hear the other one. Exactly. That was, that was their downfall. There's that probably some like 40 year old with the t-shirt still waiting for it to come back. Yeah. If they are, that was an ugly logo that I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any day now. During my time uh, at that station, I got employed at uh, KPNZ, which is the UPN station here at the time, uh, back when UPN was still a thing, <laughs> <laughs> and riding high off of WWF SmackDown being on it. Uh, Star Trek, don't forget about Voyager. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was, I, I came into it more when Enterprise was on the air. Okay. And Enterprise was not doing as well as everybody was hoping it would because no. you can't create a prequel to the original Star Trek and have it look better than the original Star Trek. Or so. even do a prequel to that and make it look better. Yeah. Uh, I'm so scared for Discovery. Discovery, I think, looks fine. I think it'll do fine considering it's based in the same J.J. Abrams version universe because that's the way all Star Trek is going to look moving forward. Yeah. We're never not going to have a more modernized version of Trek. Like, I I have a fondness for next gen and DS nine. Yeah, me too. But I know that that era is gone. Uh, I will now forever be in like a CSI Miami version of Star Trek, <laughs> and and I've just accepted that. That's fair. But uh, I worked there for a few years be- and worked my way up from like being the control operator to a producer, and then I got employed at Two News and went right back down the food chain to being <laughs> an, a master control operator. And I kept trying to get into writing, and eventually that led to uh, being able to do the blog, and then the blog moved over to City Weekly. And about the time that I lost my job at Two News, I got hired to work at Slug Magazine, worked there for five years, and then shit went awry. We'll just put it like that. (laughs) And then um, uh, spent some time working part-time at other places while still doing the City Weekly blog, and then Bleeding Cool came around. So that's how that career uh, panned out. That's, that's a pretty the, good career. That's the shorthand version. That, that's a journey. That is a journey. That is a fucked up journey. Because <laughs> like, even me having lived it, uh, I'm 35 as we record this. Uh, in September, it'll be an 18-year career. Uh, just kind of looking back and seeing where I've been is kind of trippy. Yeah. Uh, a few failed relationships along the way, too. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you still do that job? You know, it'd be better if you worked at MagnaCorp and you did the thing and you got, you know, better pay and whatnot. Yeah, I'm sure that would be great for you. paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> Making double what I was. But anyway, I had fun. Still having fun. So, so when you write, is there a certain type of, you know, situation or surroundings that are best for you to uh, write? I've become accustomed to just writing in my house, my like my apartment, the way it's set up, because I don't have a family and I don't have like 
a, a grandiose setup of furniture, the dining room in my apartment became my office. Uh, and then, you know, so that's kind of where I just spend a lot of my time is sitting in front of my computer, uh, jamming out stories and planning interviews. And uh, thankfully, like, because I'm a gamer, I game a lot right there on my computer or I have my PS4 in the other room, or, like, now I have a Nintendo Switch, so if I feel like gaming on that, it's portable. I can go in the bedroom and just kind of chill in there. So I just do what I need to do in whatever room I'm currently in, and then I go back into uh, the kitchen slash dining room where my office is and just crank it out there. And what would be the best food for writing? (laughs) Depends on what you're writing. Honestly, um, I enjoy, like for me, it's pasta, uh, like various versions of that mixed with chicken or beef, uh, stuff that I prepare or stuff that I get from the grocery store. Oh, and pizza is always a good go-to sometimes Chinese food. If you're staying up late and you can find a place that will deliver at 1am, <laughs> but yeah, that's comfort, comfort food. Yeah. Uh, and chocolate helps on occasion. Like, if you want to sponsor me, Steve. Someday, maybe maybe I can find some good chocolate. All right. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, that's basically what uh, I end up eating, too. Just stuff that either I can eat quickly or I can eat with a fork so that I, I'm not dirtying up my keyboard. And when you analyze all of this, what's been the greatest lesson you've learned through all of your jobs Maybe uh, something that you could tell other people that they could learn. Go with your gut. Never doubt yourself. I've been told multiple times uh, during my career that I'm not the person that they wanted in that position uh, in one way, shape, or form. Uh, be it by the way that I talk, be it by the way that I look, be it by the way that I think or approach situations. Uh, but I've always just kind of brushed it off and not given a damn because those people don't affect my life at the end of the day. Like, if I listen to them, then they affect my life. People that naysay and tell you not to do what you're doing or tell you, or like, try and stray you off the path or tell you that, you know, your gut feeling of where you should be is not where you should be, those are just people that don't want you there or have no desire to have you there. Was your gut feeling to maybe not come today? No. Or it it was kind of like, yeah. No, I was happy. Like, the thing that I've always uh, done over the years, and few people have taken advantage of it, is I've always been available. Or at least if I'm not at a particular time, I will make myself available down the road. I have fun doing podcasts. I have fun uh, doing like shows like uh, uh, Comedians versus uh, Cult Films, which uh, you know was fun to do and I want to go back and do again. Like, I'm always down for helping local people out. Just very few people came and knocked on my door and said, would you like to come do this? So when when you guys asked, I was just like, yeah, let's do that. Why not? Why would I not come do this? This is like my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is, a, this is one of those fun moments where it's just like, I'm not, I'm not grueling over an 800-word review. I'm just chilling out and I'm talking about my job, and my job is awesome. You have an amazing job. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Steve has an amazing job, too. He eats chocolate and talks to people. Dude, I was jealous. <laughs> when you guys had your own show, 
and you were showing off like first off there was the lunging weasel for <laughs> the the station we won't uh talk about cuz I don't know if we can talk about them on the show or not. It can when you did it for radio from hell. Like I thought that Bill was awesome. Bill seemed to enjoy it. I thought it was cool. I didn't know what was going to become of it afterward cuz I just couldn't see anybody sitting around a dining table like eating a a white chocolate crappy weasel. Yeah. Uh, but didn't you guys also make a pool table? Yeah, at one for point? Gracie's. Yeah, that was like amazing, and I wanted that so badly. You know, I mean, the the cool thing about our show was we were able to. I mean, we were given an opportunity to build things we just normally don't make. I mean, it just because people don't uh, like they see reality television and they don't put two and two together that the only reason you got to do what you do in the first place is because you built chocolate. Like, you yeah. actually made chocolate for people to consume. You didn't make these extravagant items that only fucking millionaires could afford you to make. Yeah, I mean, not many people want to watch us dipping pretzels and caramel and chocolate all day long. And, I mean, so it was really cool to be able to create some really cool projects. And chocolate is, I mean, it's a fun medium to play with. Yeah. But, I like, beyond the show, I've eaten your guys' food before. I've enjoyed it. I popped in with people and sat there and had some of like the chocolate dipped uh, strawberries that I really love. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, so it's like I understand, um, and and but I don't think a lot of people that watch the show truly appreciated that you guys had to work your asses off to get to where you were in the first place. But actually, your advice is spot on. I mean, that's what I love hearing. Um, I've been told, you know, to do something different or change or do this, and I think. Anytime I listen to anybody else was a bad move. And, it, you know, I always trust my gut and trust my instinct because I think that's where your passion is, whatever your passion is, you know, yeah. writing or chocolate or, you know, even graphic art. Dylan, you're amazing at that. And it's whatever your passions are, if you're true to your heart, I actually think that's where you're spot on. Yeah. One of the, one of the defining moments, since we were talking about defining moments earlier, uh, in my entire career happened about – Four years ago, is with my former boss at Slug, who we will not name because they do not deserve the attention. Uh, but part of the conversation one day that I had with them about me uh, getting a promotion and getting a raise, they brought up, well, Gavin, everybody thinks you're just a little bit off, right? <laughs> like that was a talking point to not giving me a promotion. And my immediate thought that I responded with was, being a little bit off is what brought me to the dance in the first place. Why the hell would I change partners now? Just because you don't view me as managerial material, just because you don't want to give me an extra buck 50 an hour. Like that was the entire thing that made me who I was employable. That was like the reason you sought me out in the first place to come work for you. You should bend to the molds of everybody else. And then you'll just blend in. Exactly. So from that point forward, I always just kind of viewed it as like, I'm like, I'm never going to like, it, it's fine to listen to other people's opinions. Like people always have opinions and sometimes you can take chunks of advice. Like you can parse out the, the things that work best for you uh, and move forward. Or maybe you can take criticism in a certain way and realize, yeah, maybe if I amend a little bit, but the minute you change everything about yourself to become something different, uh, and go against the grain of everything that helped you become a success in the first place, you're dooming yourself. Agreed. Yeah. I, I love that. And it, I mean, especially I see so many people, our, our employees, I see, you know, just customers that I talk to, 
that are, are so not confident in themselves or their weirdness or their whatever. And weirdness isn't, it sounds like a negative connotation, but it's not. It actually is the unique thing that makes all of us so amazing. Yeah. I mean, I get clowned on online for how I look and how I talk and everything. I'm just like, you know, I've been hearing fat jokes since I was, uh, since I was a little kid, even when I wasn't fat. I've been hearing ugly jokes since I was young. You know, it's like, I don't care. At this point, it's, I've developed such a thick skin to it. It's like, yeah, just keep on raining it down. I'm the one doing awesome shit, and you're the one bitching and moaning online about how you're not. Yep. So, but that's just my take on the world. Like, at the, uh, I'm at a point in time where I just don't care what people think of me because I'm the one having fun and doing what I get to do for a living. Uh, and if they were any kind of credible talent, they would be in my spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Where do you go next? Good question. Uh, I'm trying to finish a book. I've been trying to finish a book forever because that's the mantra of every writer. Oh, yeah, I have a book in the right. I'm, I'm working on a thing, you know, it's a little... Hello, science fiction thing. I got, I got this that I wrote on in Death Valley when the van broke down. I got the, I got this great idea, guys. Like, uh, you're gonna be so, <laughs> you're gonna be so shocked when it comes out. Like, like you remember Lost? It's like Lost, but different. It's on a bus. That's the common conversation I end up having with people. It's just like, <laughs> have you seen this one TV show or this movie? Uh, it's, it, it's what inspired me, but it's completely different from that. And when it comes out, it's gonna blow you away. You you just not gonna believe it. So that's that's the conversation I have with a lot of people. But I have like five or six different book ideas, and there's one primary primary one that I am working on at the moment. But it's kind of hard to balance out time right now. And I'm sure Brian Young, who I'm I'm friends with, I'm a fan of, uh, who's written like dozens of books, and he also writes for a, like half a dozen different outlets. Uh, he like I can hear his voice right now. Just like you need to make the time, Gavin. Like, just figure out like right one hour a day, just balancing out and whatnot. My schedule is weird and all over the place, so I just need to find time to balance it back out and finish the thing off. But that's the goal down the road is to just be an author, because then I can have a job where I just write whatever the hell I feel like without a deadline, and not have to answer to many people. That's the short version. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna still troll you then. Oh, with all my hard questions. Do you eat? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> you got more hard questions? Yeah. I mean, what What do you want to ask me? Hmm. I wasn't entirely sure that this would be a reverse interview <laughs> right now. Yep. It's all I about me. Did you not know that? Like the minute the minute City Weekly stopped happening, I kind of turned that part of my brain off. Because then I was no longer obligated to come up with, like, 500 questions a month for 17 different topics. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, okay, this is over. I've talked to y'all. I don't want to ask any more questions. You go to the drive-thru. Just give uh, me the number one. How's it, like, okay, you're positioned up in the avenues. How has that worked out for your business uh, over the years? Do you wish you were somewhere else in the valley? Or are you fine being up in an area where it's kind of difficult to get to, but you've got a dedicated customer base? You know, I I think my life would be completely different if we weren't in the avenues. I mean, we've we've almost lost everything. We've almost, um, you know, gone bankrupt. We've almost like foreclosed. We've almost, I mean, complete lot, completely lost everything. But I think 
we're such a badass chocolate shop. Like, I like, we do outdoor movies. How many chocolate shops do outdoor movies? We do concerts. How many chocolate shops do that? So when the zombies do eventually come, maybe they'll just chill for a bit. And they won't necessarily wipe me out because it's kind of a cool hangout spot. And and I think that, you know, I, I ask myself the question, you know, if there's better places. And I think that ultimately we went to the avenues because of kind of what you said, our gut said that that was the place to be, and we just stayed there. We stayed true to that. And, I mean, we had other places we looked at, but nothing felt right. And that's why we've stayed there. And, you know, through tough times and good times, I think that I really love that neighborhood. Has the thought ever come up of franchising yourself out at this point? Because now you have, Absolutely. A, you have a brand name that's recognizable in Utah. Absolutely. But, I mean, there's... You could I, you could absolutely just throw down three other hatch chocolate shops in Ogden and Park City and St. George and probably do just as well, if not better. I think a bank would laugh at me if I went to franchise it myself. <laughs> so at some point, you know, I think if the right investors came along, I, I think that's definitely an area of growth that we can we can improve. And and I wouldn't mind. I, I think that we'd always keep our shop kind of special. And, you yeah. know, do certain things just at that shop. But, I, yeah, I think absolutely. I think we believe in a quality product. And a lot of that passion was from my grandma. I mean, just all the chocolates that she made. And, I, yeah, I would love to share that passion as much as possible. All right. What would it cost for me to get a full-size chocolate version of myself in the Kennedy pose? You know, the somber, you know, like him looking down with his arms clasped. Milk or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate, of course, because you know you need the antioxidants. I mean, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna be in the tens of thousands. Okay, and it, it may be crap chocolate with you know little. We'll, we'll we'll work on it. It's not like it's gonna stand forever. If it's crap chocolate, that's fine. I mean, it's gonna melt. Yeah, I so fully ex- so when I fully so when you get to- it, it may not resemble anything that looks like you. It might just be like. A little chiseling here. And I would have to get Kate on my side to do this. Yeah. I'm not really the talent. So really, if it's me making this, I could just buy a brick of chocolate and then just kind of put them together and kind of melt them. I think it would be fantastic for me to have both a regular version of myself in chocolate. And then my version? And then like over time, like it, like watching it melt like a frigging candle. Yeah, but you say that, but then it's going to be little bites. So like, it, I mean, you're just not going to be able to stop eating it yeah and so pretty soon an ear's gone well i mean this would be for a party so i mean if i did it eh. you know split that up with a few hundred people maybe at the clubhouse on south temple because because eh. dave brewer i'm sure would let me host all something. over that yeah he, he'd be like you just want to throw a party where they have a chocolate version of yourself in the middle of the room for everybody to eat <laughs> why not yeah absolutely i'll get i'll get my business promotion <laughs> we'd throw the weirdest parties <laughs> <laughs> We should work on that. We'll work on that. Uh, I just don't have the ten grand at the moment. We, we could can, get. We, we can could work get that, on Dylan. We could get that through, you know, ticket Dude. prices. Well, Go. and when we make like the twenty five cents for this podcast, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll put it towards it. Oh, good. I mean, I mean, I already have the perfect name. Eat Gavin out. I mean, that would be <laughs> a celebration of all of my decade of bullshit celebration writing of life. <laughs> Eat Gavin out now. 
Hashtag uh, eat Gavin out. Hashtag eat Gavin out. Speaking of social, where can everybody find you? Uh, the Gavin Sheehan, D-H-E-G-A-V-I-N-S-H-E-E-H-A-N. All across. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's how you find me. Okay. It was the best thing ever that I did. It's nice when you can find it across the board. Yeah. I tried Gavin Sheehan, and then I found out that was taken by some Australian tennis player. And then I tried a different version that was taken by a jockey in Britain. I'm just like, God, <laughs> how much more difficult do you need to make this? And then finally I realized if I just put the in front of it, it worked out. On Twitter, I have to have Linen Design Co. Because some graphic designer down in Mexico who doesn't do anything anymore took Linen Design. Yeah. <sighs> Everything else I have blended on design, but that. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. Like I have, I won't say it on the air, but I have a very specific gamer tag that I've used over the years. And when I finally moved from Xbox to PS4, I discovered somebody had already taken it. And when I looked, they hadn't played PlayStation in six years. So it's just like, can't, can't, is there anybody I can contact to just take this from them? Because either this person gave up or they've died and I want it. <laughs> they died in combat. <laughs> like on the game, and they're disappeared into some other field. There's some weird Facebook uh, pages I've come across in my time of people who have done dedication pages to gamers that have gone like have passed, like in real life, but nobody knew what the real name was. So it's just a tribute <laughs> page to like, you know, uh... <laughs> Steve Chocolate Marshmallow <laughs> passed away three years ago, like <laughs> like Hammer Time Forty Seven, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Gavin, for coming. Thank you for having me. And and honestly, you guys keep doing awesome work. You know, I fully support the local podcast community because, you know, we're one of those groups of people that, you know, we're not all famous comedians doing podcasts, like is the trend nowadays. Uh, it's regular people who just have a passion for this stuff and want to talk with other people in the community so please keep doing it as long as you possibly can i hope to do it forever until you get sick of it and you quit after episode 103 <laughs> is this episode 102 um no i think we're if it is i'm glad i got underneath the belt right before 103 yeah Woo! it's all downhill from here it's the 29th <clears throat> your creativity between blog and podcast podcast i think we're around 15 or so all right Cool. So, well, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. No, thanks, Gavin. Bye, people. Bye.